0: Hardy's signature Frisco burger and Frisco breakfast sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for. Classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun, only at Hardy's. Goodness in the making. Participation may vary. Impact of Influence The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. We are so grateful you're joining us again. We know you got a lot of options these days. We've been doing this for almost two years now, and uh, it has been quite the journey. So we are in the trial time now for the trial of Alec Murdoch, nationally and internationally covered. And we've been in the courtroom for most of the sessions over the last couple of weeks. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker is in Walterboro. She was in the courthouse today. Hello, Seton.
1: Hello. And speaking of international, I sat next to a man named Arthur who was from France, and he is covering it for Vanity Fair, uh, I think, Europe, and he's writing a book. So I thought that was really interesting.
0: That is interesting. I got a text from the Daily Mail in the UK today asking some questions. All right, let's uh, get to the big discoveries the big reveals that have happened over the course of Wednesday and Thursday even some Tuesday we've been waiting for these videos which one would you like to do first Seaton because they are some biggies? Oh gosh
1: I don't know I kind of want to I I, I want to talk about the video first that we see Alec and Paul driving around. The property looking at trees. That's the one I kind of want to talk about first because that happened earlier in the evening.
0: And that is on Snapchat. And we won't play that for you because there's not much audio. They're just laughing and and uh, taking a looks like they're trying a four-wheeler to a, a sapling of a tree and knocking it over and they're and they're lapping and, and having a time.
1: And if you want to see that video, i posted all of the videos to our Facebook page, which is Murdoch Podcast.
0: The Snapchat was about, we'll just say about two hours before the murders. The important part of it is what Alec was wearing, right, Seton?
1: Uh, that was important, yes and no. I mean, he was not wearing the same clothing that he was wearing in the videos that we saw, the dash cam videos after 911 calls and police arrived. He's not wearing the same clothes, but I don't know what to make of that because a lot of people change their clothes later in the evening you know maybe it gotten dirty i you know it is it is definitely something to look into but again i don't know how much to make out of this i think people are making a big deal of it but i'm not sure exactly how much to make out of it
0: well he said he did not change clothes oh, that's did why he? they're making a deal out of it yes
1: oh my gosh no i didn't know that
0: yes he said he didn't change clothes
1: i mean that is pretty significant um but it's also significant that we see that they're kind of laughing and having a good time. I mean, they're they're comparing their tree work. I mean, it just it seems like they have a good relationship.
0: Yes. And I'm, I'm more on that in a second, but I want to go back to the the clothes too, because he said he didn't change clothes. If I was the defense, I would say when you asked him that, he meant he hadn't changed since he, you know, had dinner or something right? And yeah, he changed earlier in the day, but he wasn't referencing that. That that how I would write that off if I could. And I wonder, well, you, you think you found something out about whether or not they've collected those specific clothes?
1: Yes, we heard from a SLED officer today, Katie McAllister, who searched the house the day after the murders, and she says she's looked through all the bedrooms and the bathrooms. She eyeballed the bathroom the showers and the drains and stuff like that. And she didn't see any evidence. She didn't see any bloody clothing or anything like that.
0: Well, and and, and to her knowledge, she's the only person sled had examined the tubs and showers. So they didn't swab them. That's a lot of people in talking about. It does seem to me not a sled agent, but to wait from when the murders occurred until all the way the next day to search the property or to search the house. That That seems insane to me.
1: I agree. It seems unusual that the family was allowed to go back in the house. There were a lot of family members there. And another issue that I have in my mind is why didn't they bring in someone to test all the drains? An officer said she she didn't really have a good answer for that.
0: And remember that Katie McAllister said when she did search john marvin and law Partner lee cope went with
1: it so let's move on to actually the biggest video which is a video taken from paul's phone where he is checking on his friend's dog and you can hear maggie and paul in the background get it. get it
0: Quick cash. Quick. What's okay. Come here. Quick. here. Come Come here. Come here. Hey, hey, Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Get Quick. time is that video recorded again, Lieutenant Dove? The camera begins at 8.44, 49 p.m. And ends when? At 8.45, 47 p.m. Nothing further from State. Okay, this video, I was in the courtroom when this happened and it was a noticeable like uh, jaws dropping, an aha kind of moment when, because we've all been waiting to have definitive proof what was on that video. You've heard a little reports here and there. And as you heard, and might have trouble visualizing, but Paul is checking on uh, Rogan Gibson, his buddy's dog, who has a little problem with the tail. Uh, Gibson left it there for the weekend, did that a lot. So Paul is in one of the kennels with the dog. You hear Maggie come in. Her voice is the one that says, she has a bird, then it goes to a chicken or a guinea. And in the background, there's a male voice, and Alec kind of has a high pitched voice, and he's calling for his dog to come in and uh, get into the kennel. Now, Rogan Gibson said uh, he's a Murdoch's are second family. He's so tight with them. So he knows Alec's voice, or Big Red, as he referred to him. And he said, eventually, he said, 100% certainty that is Alec Murdoch's voice.
1: Yes, before we get into what you know Rogan Gibson's testimony from watching the video we had seen from the defense that they described this video as convivial of loving family and then we heard from other places that maybe it was more contentious to me watching it 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 just seemed like normal people i didn't take away from it as being this Big love fest, or certainly not any sort of argument.
0: What no, were your thoughts? Common. Yeah, same thing. Just common conversation. But I, I, I would think though, and obviously speculation, by the way the video was taken by Paul, it's very easy that Alec Murdoch did not know a video was playing at that time.
1: I think you. I think you're. It's highly possible. And Matt, tell him why this video is so significant. The timing of it.
0: The timing is everything. The timing is huge, because remember, Alec Murdoch multiple times, multiple times, said he never saw his family, as in Maggie and Paul, after dinner. After dinner, they leave. He takes a nap, gets up, can't get hold of them. Can't get hold of them. Gets in his truck at nine oh six and goes to his mom's house.
1: Yeah, he says he never saw them and that he was taking a nap. And he actually says that two times in law enforcement interviews very shortly after the murders.
0: And the time gets even more important. Well, two things about it that make it important. One is he is talking to his friend, Rogue, and they're going back and forth. He calls them. They talk for like four minutes or something. And he says, why don't you FaceTime me so I can see the dog's tail? Paul FaceTimes him, but it's a, the signal's lagging, he says, because there's bad signal out there. So he hangs up the FaceTime and starts the video. The implication is, well, if he's going to video you'd send it right away after this 11 second video, but the video never gets sent. The only reason they find it is it's in Paul's phone when they finally get into Paul's phone. So video is never sent. And that is uh, big time important because from the time that video ends till there's no activity anymore. On Paul and Maggie's phone is only about three minutes. Only about three minutes. Paul's phone last activity is eighty eight forty nine thirty five, and uh, the video is just three minutes before that. Maggie's phone is also stops having significant activity as well at that time. So the thought that Alec Murdoch could be there give or take some seconds, three minutes before what it appears was the time of the murders, is insane. The defense has got its work cut out for him, explaining why he never said he went there and how the murders occurred in the short time between Alec Murdoch there and getting in his truck, driving to his house, and then taking off in his car and not hearing gunshots.
1: Okay, but the morning before we hear these videos, we had a lot of cell phone technology that was brought onto us, and it was actually really confusing to me. I mean, there were some significant things that stood out to me. We had this hour time frame that appears that Alex's phone was not being used, which mm-hmm. is, I guess when he was taking the nap, but then he was seen in this video, but. Biggest question I have is about Maggie's cell phone and when it was discarded. And that actually came up again in testimony today. And I was confused. We actually were both confused. We kind of almost had an argument about it last night.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what happened today? Because the way I, and I asked multiple people at the, at the you know, trial, and then I asked a guy I did a news interview with today. And most people seem confused. They didn't even have uh, an idea of what it was because I don't think it was drawn out very well by either side. I think they should use some graphics and some signs and some stuff to show.
1: Okay, we have followed this case for a very long time and we're confused. I can't imagine how confused the jury must be.
0: Right. Because there's a steps issue. Because Maggie takes 59 steps. 853 to 855. However, there's issues with the text and whatnot, and it doesn't appear that she's it's she's the one taking the steps because the murder has happened by then. Alec has no well, maybe, step. maybe
1: her her cell phone stopped meaningful activity. Right. It seems like that that might that that could very well be likely, but that's not a hundred percent.
0: Not a hundred percent. But the way they set it up was, yeah, you know, certainly not a hundred percent. But the fact that she was responding to these texts from John Marvin back and forth, and doing, you know, quickly, and having these conversations, and suddenly nothing well, is so, suspect.
1: Agree. So, did you think like what I took away from it? Again, I could be hearing this all wrong, and I'm hoping it's explained it better and further witnesses. What I took away from it was. There is a strong possibility that Maggie's phone was not discarded, couldn't have been discarded by Alec, based on when his car was leaving and how it was found a half mile away. Again, I was really confused about this, so my mind is really still very open to this. I just don't fully understand it.
0: I believe that on uh, after the defense did their thing, then. The uh, state came back up, and I looked through my notes. It doesn't appear. I can't, They went through all Alec's steps, and from 810 to 902, he has no steps. And the defense was trying to say, well, if Alec was walking with Maggie's phone, he would have steps at the same time. And I'm thinking, but not if he didn't have his phone. <laughs> if he didn't have his phone, the steps wouldn't be at the same time.
1: It didn't seem like he had his phone for an hour. But I just had big questions about the disposal of Maggie's phone and whether it was possible for Elc to be the person to dispose of it
0: and and the state or the uh, the defense even in the opening talked about how can he be in two places at one time he's in his car at 906 which is at the house we're assuming at the uh, the, the Moselle house the phone ends up on the side of the road and it's because of this Moment when there's orientation, they call it. That's when you take a phone, and like if you're taking a picture sideways or straight, or you pick up a phone and you turn it around, that's called orientation. And at 906.12 to 906.20, Maggie's phone shows orientation. The screen goes on at 905 and off at 907. So what they're saying is, how could Alec be in two places at once? When the orientation happens, which could happen if a phone is tumbling down a hill or thrown, is what they talk about. It could happen that way. So at eight seconds, it's tumbling. So if that's when it was tossed, if that's when it was tossed, there's no way they're saying it could be Alec, because he was getting in his car at the house at that exact time. However, I believe that when the state continued their uh, the testimony, the expert said. If the phone's screen is off, okay, if the screen is off. It will not record orientation. So therefore, in my mind, Alec, he calls right during the orientation time. It rings. He picks it up, looks, and fiddles with it. Orientation. The screen goes off uh, at 9:07. That's when he could throw it, because there's not another thing that happens on that screen till nine oh eight fifty six which would light it up so he has a minute and 56 to throw it out the window and it would not record orientation that's how i took it take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around right so you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to you want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in and you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or a tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there they've been the expert in language learning for 30 years buy rosetta stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time impact of influence listeners can get rosetta stone's lifetime membership for 40 percent off that's 40 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today.
1: Well, there were questions today that were brought up. Um, there was Hightower, who is employed by the 14th Circuit, and he was the one to find Maggie's phone. And it was it was unclear if how the phone was found. There was a little tilt. This was brought up on cross, and there was a piece of grass over it. If if the phone was tossed, would the phone have come back on? And I feel that we will hear from more experts about this because again, I'm still very confused about this.
0: Yeah, and I didn't make it clear. That's how I took it, but you're right. There will be experts. There's no question. There'll be more experts because the remember, this is all the state's case. We have not heard any of the defense's case other than just uh, uh, doing things on cross. But the time that the state is, Pinning it down is Paul's no action after eight forty eight fifty nine, and Maggie's locked eight forty nine thirty one. It was interesting. I don't know if you caught this. And Jim Griffin gets up. Was it Griffin? I I think it might have been Griffin who gets on and says. uh, At one point, there is Maggie's phone gets a one second camera activation, so that is when the camera is searching for a face. Or notice that. And he says, "Is it possible?" that maybe Maggie was trying to get her camera to take a picture of the people who were killing Paul, like how he slid that in there. But I, I, that's might be a little bit of a reach, but it's doubt. That's what he's there for.
1: It is doubt, but I would say overall, uh, Wednesday day, I don't know what day we are on this murder trial. I feel like we're (laughs) in American, but that day I did think that it, Definitely leaned very heavily in the prosecution favor. I mean, they were successful in hammering in the point that okay, there's this eight forty-four video. He says he's taking a nap. Either he is being untruthful or he doesn't remember the last time his wife and son were alive, which doesn't seem
0: plausible. And and, and even even if. They can say, oh, I forgot I went out there for a minute. You've got three minutes to not hear gunshots. Exactly. And, and I, I, here's how I, I saw the day play out. The state wins big by the videos we mentioned, the video, the Snapchat, the video 844. They they win big with that. It'll, this The state is going to have to find a way to say why Alec was there and he didn't hear gunshots or he got out of there. The points that the defense was hammering was how much love there was between Alec, Paul, and Maggie, especially Alec and Paul. His friends were saying how the apple of his eye, and they showed the birthday video, which we talked about, about how much they love you. Know, he loved his kids. He loved them, loved them, loved them, loved them. And this is Memorial Day. And, it, it, and, and Alec was like the nicest guy with his son. They went and never missed a Little League game. So that picture he's painting there is the defenses painting, I think is to say, how could this guy, who loved this boy this much, no matter what the circumstances, shoot him point blank in the head? And that is what the prosecution is going to have to paint a picture for the jury.
1: Let's talk about Rogan Gibson's testimony. He actually really humanized Paul. Him talking about it and make the things that they like to do, And all that really made me sad. And he did confirm that it was, look in this video, and he, Rogan is the one who was talking to Paul about his dog. But it was actually really sad to see. And he just, he described his, Rogan describes the relationship with Paul and his dad as really good. He also Mm -hmm. describes the relationship with, Elec and Maggie is good. I mean, I don't know if a friend would know that a friend pointed that out to me and I was like, yeah, well, that's true. It almost seemed, you know, he, he did point that out, but it almost seemed as if he was testifying in favor of the defense at points. Did you feel that way?
0: Yes. Well, and yes, yes. I, I felt like he also, I should point out his voice cracked a few times. I mean, he's talking about his good friend, right? They, they, Know each other since they were like twelve or something like that. I do think that he was trying to make a point. I don't know if he was trying to make a point because he was asked the questions. That he, I think he's the one who said the apple of his eye, uh, what what Paul was, and it was obvious that when you looked at Buster and John Marvin, they were. It was an emotional time for them as well to see you know their buddy up there, who was part of their family and he described the names that he used to describe the nicknames of rooster and things like that for everybody and it really did show paul in a different light than we have even heard this entire year and a half we've been doing this uh podcast and so the jury's hearing that too so it was it was i think it was pretty powerful
1: did you notice at the end that went on recross the prosecution said did you really know Alec?" and yes. he said yes and then he said no but did you really know Alec?" and he paused and he said yes
0: yes which was obvious the way that that creighton waters he, he was just hoping When <laughs> like, did you really know him did you really that now that you know what you know do you really and he's like yeah i mean Okay, he, he, you're trying to get me to say that he was a fraud and he's a murderer and he steals a bunch of money, but he the way he treated me was the way he treated me.
1: Yes. And next we hear from Will Loving, who was another friend of Paul's. They grew up together and spent a lot of time at Edisto.
0: And they were going to uh, live together in Columbia. That was their plan yes. to go uh, get a house. In fact, last time Will talked to him, I think. Paul was talking about getting a hot tub for the house and that put a little uh, giggle to some people. Um, so this is, Will Loving is the one who identifies for the first time that I've heard the second or the replacement, I should say, blackout gun. And he knows this because they went and bought this red dot sight. Because if you remember, just to backtrack a little here, Alec Ellic- initially buys Buster and Paul these high-end I think they're like $4,500 a piece, uh, blackout rifles. And Paul's ends up missing, I think sometime around 2019. So Alec goes and buys a replacement, but he doesn't put the night scope on it. He doesn't put uh, the suppressor on it. So it's a lot cheaper. And we weren't sure what happened to that, uh, that blackout gun. We know Paul's was allegedly stolen or he left it somewhere or something. So this shows that replacement blackout gun, and he talks about firing it because they got the uh, the sight on it outside the gun room, which is where law enforcement found the spent blackout shells. So the tie in there would be if they can prove those shells match the shells next to Maggie's body came from the same gun, then there you go. There's your weapon, even though they don't have it, because that replacement gun is missing. And interestingly enough, he described it differently. He said it was tan, but the replacement rifle was said to be black. So I'm a bit confused. Maybe he just was mistaken.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. But also, kind of a big bombshell that happened during this interview was the bringing in of some of the financial crimes.
0: This is how he did it. It was the very last thing Jerry heard of the day. And it was one of those where, Me and the other people in the courtroom all looked at each other, and our jaws just were like, what just happened? Um, So Griffin, who's not usually a theatrical kind of person, but during the cross, uh, and you'll find out why he was able to do this, maybe. Griffin asked if Gibson was aware of the wrongful death lawsuit against Murdoch that stemmed from the crash. He said to Loving, "Do you know anything about Murdoch being confronted on the morning of June seventh, twenty twenty one, about seven hundred ninety two thousand dollars of missing legal fees?" Loving said no, over Griffin's objections. He went into, "You know about the the uh, event that was going to take place because of the wrongful death lawsuit?" He says no. He asked him about his. Do you know anything about uh, Alex? financial situation do you know how much is in his checking account it was questions like that over and over and over again and it was nutty there was all these uh, uh objections didn't matter uh, day was ended and the jury was sent out
1: i was intending today and the first thing gibson did was kind of uh, address some of these things and i guess griffin's objection was it was totally inappropriate which he said was not a legal objection
0: <laughs> and yeah. then
1: <laughs> i know and then um he did say that some of the questions that griffin asked opened the door and the questions that the state said were allowed but it still hasn't been decided if the rest of the witnesses that have been called by the state it, it hasn't been determined if They're going to allow the rest of these financial crimes in. So what they're doing is they're allowing these witnesses to testify in camera. So the jury's not in the room and we see it. And then the judge is going to make a determination of whether he thinks that this is admissible.
0: Who who, uh, went on the stand today?
1: Well, we did hear from Jeannie Seconder, who was the financial person at PMPD, and she's the person who confronted Alec about some missing money the day of the murders of Maggie and
0: Paul. And I think uh, what well, this is interesting too, I didn't mention this in the uh, Memorial Day birthday party for Alec, that in the video was Chris Wilson, who is the one with that seven hundred some $1,000 check that Alec was supposed to give into to his law firm that Chris Wilson gave to him. And Chris Wilson was in that video, which also kind of opened the door. He said, who's that? It's Chris Wilson. That's his best buddy. Was Chris Wilson uh, on the stand today?
1: Yes, he did testify. And we should find out soon if these witnesses will be allowed to testify and if the jury will see them. Because what's going to happen is all these witnesses that testified today We'll have to actually testify again in front of the jury if if, if these financial crimes are allowed.
0: Oh wow! And I, I would warn, uh, and this member of an attorney, but if you are the uh, prosecution, don't bore the guys to death with real nitty gritty. The the Russell the trial was boring as all get out. Don't don't bore your audience with just get the point across right and 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 move along.
1: I believe tomorrow morning. We'll hear from a few more of these financial witnesses without the jury, and then tomorrow afternoon, we should hear from some more SLED officers with the jury in court.
0: That's going to be great. We're still waiting on Cousin Eddie, too, right? That's going to hopefully happen soon. Uh, I want to give a shout out to some folks, Grace Ann, Martha Sue, Mary, uh, Angela, Jennifer, uh, some of the folks that showed up uh, courtroom to say hi, and also when I was doing the court TV live stuff, I'm going to be on Vinny Politan almost every night from eight to nine. Um, they came into the restaurant where we were broadcasting from and I uh, said hello and had a girl's weekend of watching the Alec Murdoch trial.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I actually had several people come up to me in the courthouse and just around. We had Libby and Kathleen and a man who came up to me and it was really super nice. He said that he loves our approach, that we're, really try to be very fair. And I ran into him again after the break. And he said he talked to his daughter Julie and she was a big fan. They lived just right down the road in Cottageville. So I thought that was super cool. And Michelle and Macy. And also thank you, Fitz News, for keeping my phone in safekeeping during the trial.
0: And uh Politan and shanley Painter just love her. She is a uh, was an attorney, and now she works for Court TV, and we had a good time. I uh, am always grateful. We are always grateful that you uh, spend time with us. I will get to your emails at mattharrispodcast.gmail.com. Patience a little bit, because when you, this is crazy when you do the trial because you don't have your phone. And you can't even imagine how much you miss being able to bang out a couple of emails here and there. And so you're doing the, the trial for eight hours with no phone, then doing the TV without that phone. So I'll get to them. I promise you have some great questions.
1: I agree. Again, you can't multitask. It's very, it's very disconcerting. So if I have missed something, I'm really trying to get to your emails and your comments. And I apologize for the delay. And if I forget you, you can reach out to us again.
0: And you can reach out to us, Murdoch Podcast on Facebook, murdochpodcast.com, Podcast at gmail.com. As I said, we are always grateful and we will talk soon, friends.